guys, welcome back to Basic Snitches. Uh, <laughs> this is Tara. This is Adam. And I'm Sarah. Sarah's here, yay! Yeah. Oh, she's back again oh, to yeah. sultry your drones. Her boggart is a pair of earmuffs. <laughs> yeah, in fact, we can all refer to her as the extendable ear, if you will. <laughs> that was delayed. <laughs> that was a delayed laugh. That was amazing. Thank you. Thank so, you. yeah, guys, uh, we have Sarah back. She loud. She's awesome. She loud, but she great. Mm-hmm. We love her. We're doing a Snape's Worst Memory today. Chapter Snape's 28. Worst Memory. Oh, yes. Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Yes. Let's take a moment to shout out all of our Patreon subscribers. Special thank you to Ashley, Brian, Brittany, Layla, Marybeth, Megan, Meredith, Nisi, Nicole, Olivia, and Raph. You can also join that list by going to patreon.com slash basic snitches for three to ten dollars a month. We'll acknowledge you in every podcast. There's a lot of great exclusive content, access to exclusive merch, and as we mentioned last time, you can also go to basicsnitches.com to actually get a Basic Snitches shirt or wine glass or what have you to show off your Basic Snitches pride. That's patreon.com slash basic snitches and or basic snitches.com. What do you think the winner and loser are? <coughs> Pink Devil or Fudge and or Fudge. Maybe it's Ty. And the winner is going to be Dumble and Magog. Yeah, let's just do that. Well, there are no ties. Those are fair ties, but Dumble is the winner. Yeah. And Fudge is the loser. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pink Bitch literally abuses a student but you're the fucking minister of magic and you're like this is great keep this shit up like yeah. he's right. the worst not to say that abusing a student is bad but at this point it's tit for tat for fucking right i mean would, right would, oh this is not new right yeah well it's the fact that right like he has technically authority over her and does nothing and he's literally basking in this whole thing and he's the one who's given her all this power right you know like because mm-hmm. he is garbage but dumbledore it's amazing in this chapter. Yeah. So. That's two in a row, Dumble. Yeah, Dumble, Woo-woo! good job. I was, would say keep it up, but... We're not going to see you until the end of the so. book now. <laughs> Adam, read the thing? Yeah. It's called A Thing for Tara, but Sarah is reading it anyway. Yeah, Ooh. they're all called Thing for it's, Tara. It's, well, even though it's probably all part of the plan, the Pink Devil is now the so-called head of the school. She's raising Nazi youth and encouraging Filch to torture students, apparently. Luckily, a brief attempt at poisoning slash interrogating Harry is interrupted by the twins shooting off fireworks throughout the castle, writing, pink is the ugliest fucking color I've ever seen, LOL, in their trajectories. (laughs) That would be great. (laughs) Thus is the first day that the pink devil has to deal with. Harry has a dream that night of the Department of Mysteries where he actually goes into the mysterious door and then wakes up to a day when he has to deal with occlumency. There's a brief encounter with Cho where she tries to defend Mary Trader Edgecombe, and then apparently Snape has to go save their Quidditch captain because he's stuck in a toilet. What's with the toilet theme in this book? Is it symbolism for what the school has become with Pink Devil here? Is this the equivalent of the onion during these unprecedented times where satire is now reality? Harry takes this frustrating moment to fall into the stone basin in Snape's office. We see Snape and the Marauders taking their data analysis owls, followed by some just chilling on the quad, that turns into James Potter bullying the shit out of Snape, with Lily coming to his rescue. 
Also a defensive Snape, James does come off as pretty self-absorbed here. While it explains some things and drums up some empathy for him, the lesson here is to not turn into your bullies when you grow up, dear listeners. Amen. Snaps. Anywho, after pulling uh, Montague out of the shitter, Snape angry and throws some cockroaches at Potter and tells him not to tell anyone. Sure, Jan. Also, did anyone notice that this is the second episode in a row where the word cock was in the chapter? Just me? Okay. Well, it's a good opportunity to make Sarah say cock on her podcast, not like she needed one anyway. <laughs> that was such a great thing. One of, one of my better things, I love honestly. it. I love it. It was so good. Yeah. Much practice says cock and bull story, and then they throws cockroaches. There's a lot of cocks in this book. Cock. Especially the big pink puppy cock. She's a chode. Oh my god, chode. That would be a good nickname for her because she's a short, fat little dick. How many times have we made a phallic reference in the last one minute? That's what this is. That's what this podcast is. (laughs) Yep. We haven't had enough dick jokes lately, so finally we got there. We're in chapter 28. The chapter opens up with not even like the typical prose. It's just oh, by this the way, thing. educational decree bullshit. Yep, Chode Lady is now your headmaster. Ta-da! Honestly, if you were to close the book and be like, "I'll finish this another time after the last chapter," that's kind of the next step. If Dumble isn't there, yeah, and Fudge Packer and Chode are left behind, there's no way. That they're going to be like, ah, Deputy Headmistress McGonagall, why don't yeah, you... Why wouldn't we do the thing that makes sense? Yeah. Because we can't control her, obviously. Right. right. Well, and I think it's pretty clear at this point that Fudge is just doing whatever Umbridge wants him to do. Yes, and? I mean, as far as Hogwarts goes. Oh, yeah, he got Dumbledore out of there. That's what he wanted. Right. That's what I mean. Like, he was kind of just like, you can do whatever you want here as long as you get Dumbledore out. Like, I think that that's what yeah. his thought has been the whole time. And, you know, just keeping his own ass safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the very least, we learned that Fudge Packers at St. Mungo's with a pumpkin head. Why didn't Chode get a... I mean, um, it's not really what happened. It's just... What no, I'm it's just the saying. rumors going around school. I, also, I just need to make a formal apology to Cho because I'm not saying her name over and over again. I'm saying Chode. <laughs> referring to Pink Devil. Yeah. The Chode formerly known Chode. as Pink Devil. Chode. But yeah, everyone is just talking about how cool Dumble is because, right. you know, he took on two Aurors and the Minister of Magic and the Pink Bitch. Yep. Because Dumbledore is badass. And now he's like chilling out at Shell Cottage Resort. <laughs> I hope so. Having some margaritas on the beach. Yeah. Being like, everything is going just great according well, to plan. Yeah. He's like, mm, yeah, now this is a nice vacation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I gotta like live it up before I get murdered mm. in a book or so. <laughs> I love how Ernie... That's I the love next ha- thing I have. Oh, yeah. Dumbledore's gonna be back. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. He's optimist. He's always like a voice of optimism yeah. consistently. He's like, oh yeah, the fat friar told me that Umbridge couldn't get him into his office, which I just love that. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, okay, so just because Umbridge is the headmistress does not mean that she actually has full control here. It's like, very interesting because after Dumbledore's death, when Snape becomes headmaster, he is still in the headmaster's office. Yep. Like, that office rebelled against just her. Yep. You don't deserve this. Get out of here, bitch. Yeah. You try putting that little, like, nameplate on your pink 
I don't know. <laughs> I was trying to think of some bad word for the office, but it's not the office's fault. But I do like this part of the beginning of the chapter where, you know, they're chatting and they're hanging out with Ernie McMillan and, and whatever, and then stupid Franco fucking asshole. Oh yeah, where we find out like it doesn't mean anything to be a prefect anymore because Umbridge just appointed her own little cronies. Yeah. To dock points from everyone just because they're not Slytherins. That's exactly what it is. By the end of this chapter their vial is empty. I'm just going to say this now and this is not going to be included in my totals at the end but every point that he takes away I'm giving back in addition. So that means that Hermione will get an extra 15 which I mean this isn't Hermione's book. Does she really need those extra points? But it is what it is. Plus five extra to Ernie, Harry, and Ron and I'm taking all that total away from Draco so he's getting an additional 32. I love it so much. Y'all so remember that i'm not gonna repeat that later yeah he's just such an arrogant asshole in this section i mean not that he isn't kind of always but like it's like one other detail that i'm like like is it necessary to just really just drive in how horrible it is right well and it's very clearly i just don't care i literally i'm taking five away because i don't like you potter like literally i don't even have a reason and i don't have to have a reason because i can weasley your shirt's untucked which is purely like why he he's not even trying like Dumble to make him an excuse why did you make him a fucking Mm -hmm. prefect we had a lot of choice words about the prefect selection because at least for both Gryffindor and Slytherin I don't think it was done right you know Hermione doesn't have time for this yeah but this freaking inquisitorial squad is bullshit yeah so that's the other thing we didn't really mention this about the movie but by this point in the movie inquisitorial squad is like a thing like a major thing mm-hmm. and this is the first time we hear about it almost after the fact yeah like i almost forgot about that being a separate thing like not that i didn't remember that it existed but like that I, it just was like something i wasn't thinking about it is so late in the book when it comes up and i like that they run into friend george who are like oh no yeah you see all this bullshit going just down? you wait and then they just flat out admit to throwing montague into the vanishing cabinet yeah They're they like, do this guy tried to do this, so we were like, nah, fuck this. You're so going. that's how he ends up in the toilet? Yeah. Okay, when I was reading this, it seemed you forgot. very random. Because I was like, I don't really care. No, yeah, earlier in the chapter, they were like, oh, no, no, we've got him occupied for a while. And then he shows back up in a toilet? And the vanishing cabinet is broken. And, you know, that's a huge plot point in the sixth book, is the vanishing cabinet. So I'm assuming that because it's broken, and all of the stuff with Montague that, you know, he passes on to Draco that we learn about in the sixth book. I think he probably ends up in the toilet because it's broken. Like, in his attempts to get out, he just ends up in a different part of the school because magic. And toilets. And toilets because shit. Because shit is a theme, as we said in the last book. That's exactly what I was just going to say. They're just trying to put shit in as much as possible. Shit. Shit. I mean, Hagrid's digging up shit. Toilets are exploding. It makes sense, though, right? Like, that symbolism of literally everything is going to shit in this book. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and then Fred and George do the same thing as Hagrid. They're like, it's not important. This is no longer a respectable place to be, and we're done with it. Truly, like, I think, said it already in the last episode, but these are other signs that the control is getting too much, and the pressure is popping the lid off of everything. When your students, sure, it's Fred and George, but, like, when students are like, 
like, I'm done. I don't care about this anymore. Peace out. That's a problem. Also, <laughs> I'm gonna refer back to that Patreon exclusive again about the headmasters. There's this thing about a decree that Umbridge has out to get rid of Peeves. Through that screen that we were looking at, there was the one headmistress in the past who like tried to get rid of Peeves and it didn't really work out in her favor. Okay, we all know Peeves ain't going nowhere. You keep trying to wrestle with the poltergeist. Right. Chode lady. <laughs> We don't like Peeves, but you're not going to be successful by Yeah. Similarly, Filch is obviously on Team Chode. Earlier in this book, he actually got points because he was kind of pushing back against the bullying when people were seeing Weasley as our king. Obviously, he's back to his old self here, but I also almost wonder, does Umbridge not know that he is a squib? Because I imagine if she knew and understood mm. that... She would have issues with him. Oh, yeah, she would. I wonder, too. He's someone she can manipulate because he's an outsider. No one likes him because he's a jerk and he's grouchy and can't do magic. The kids don't know he can't do magic. Dumbledore and probably the other heads of houses know he can't do magic. And that's it. Yeah. Again, I think we talked before about maybe he's there for his safety, but I wonder if she knows. She doesn't because, yeah, when the fireworks are happening. She, yeah. 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 He tried to stun she, them, yeah, and she's, it, like, she's like Don't stun them back, Filch. And he's like, okay. Okay. Like, cool. I was going to do that Not anyway. It. And he takes out his broom. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and swats at them with a right. broom, which then catches fire. Yeah. But also, I just love how that big bitch is like, I can't take accountability for anything. This was your fault. Like, why didn't you do that? Don't tell me to do that. You did No. Yeah. Atrocious. Yeah. Speaking of Filch, he escorts Harry to Chode office. Mm, and right. while doing so, he's like, oh, now I'm allowed to string you up in the oh, dungeons yeah. and shit he's like, like that. I'm so excited for all this stuff coming. Yeah. Yeah, until Umbridge finds out that you can't do magic, and then she's like, ew, a squib. You go the way of Trelawney and Hagrid. First of all, she's just like, sit. Like, he's a dog. And then, hey, would you like something to drink? Oh, okay, so now we have having cocktails. Right, and, Harry, and like, how, how would Harry not be suspicious? He does exactly what he should be doing, fake sipping and all of that, because it becomes very clear. I think I had even said at the end of the last episode something along the lines of, was it poison or was it Varus here? Mm -hmm. But it becomes very clear that she's trying to interrogate him. Mm -hmm. Of course he doesn't know where Dumbledore is. He so. does know where Sirius is, though, yeah. so. Yeah, luckily that doesn't really work out, but then... And this little uh, cocktail date with Chode is interrupted. Harry just like knows What's where happening. to go. I just love that he also is like, oh, there's nothing behind this tapestry. And of course, Fred and George are there. And I'm just like, yes. Like they get to have this little powwow in the middle of all this. Yeah. And he's like, these are pretty fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. I do quite love that. Initially in the chapter, you see her trying to maintain order like she does. But then it quickly just going completely haywire. And I feel like it's just the tip of the iceberg, you know? Like if this is how how things are going on your first day. Buckle in, bitch. So that is all very satisfying. The twins are lauded as heroes, as they should be. Even Hermione is impressed. That night, of course, after all the celebrations, he has the dream. He gets a little bit further. We have had a lot of discussions about these dreams that he's having. Is it that he's seeing through Voldemort, so on and so forth? My question is, does this dream mean that Voldemort has gotten into the door and he's seeing things through Voldemort's eyes? I yeah. think that it is Voldemort putting the visions in his head. Isn't that what eventually happens, right? Well, Voldemort isn't necessarily aware that this is 
happening. I think that it's unclear, and I think that it's purposely unclear. That's true. The other thing is that Voldemort definitely has people in his camp who have been inside the Department of Mysteries. He knows what's there. He knows what he wants. He cannot get it. That is his obstacle. Harry doesn't have any of that information. He knows Voldemort wants something inside the Department of Mysteries, but Voldemort knows it's a prophecy. So I think it's a mix of those things. Like, after the attack on Arthur Weasley, it's definitely going to make it back to Voldemort that this is a thing. And so it's like, I think, a cautious progression on his end, probably taking a little peek as far as he can push things. Mm -hmm. But I don't think he's seeing anything clearly. I don't think Voldemort probably ever was able to see anything clearly through Harry. And instead, he turned it around. The focus is not on what he can see from Harry, but what he ends up planting in Harry's head. Right. So that's a whole different tactic. That's not legitimacy. Or Occlumency, like, that's something completely different. And honestly, Dumbledore couldn't know. I feel like legitimacy goes both ways, though, because I was reading about it. It is, like, primarily, like, getting information from other people, but it is also putting specific visions in their head. But that is not actually at all. Okay. That that's what that is. Okay. There's, like, a connection. Yeah, there's a connection, yeah. which the connection is obviously the way that the author is able to create the loophole that this is what happens. Mm-hmm. It's not actually something that's covered at all. They make a big stink about what people can see inside Harry's head and right. what Harry sees inside of Snape's head and what Harry sees here in this memory. So it's all about stuff that's real and happening and has happened instead of what could be happening. Then coming to that conclusion of Harry being like, well, we should check first. Why should he? Because... Arthur Weasley was a thing, and there's been no other reason otherwise. Right, right. Other than the fact that Hermione is a very cautious person, which is very fair and understanding, and we need that. Uh But the factors shown in this book, I don't think, have given us that, which is obviously the loophole we need to progress the story and the plot. So I get it. But I find it to be very frustrating every time he's doing Occlumens. There's no real teaching happening here. Well, yeah. luckily, I mean, not luckily, because he is worried about it all day. Occlumens mm-hmm. is the next next day. Yeah. Before we get to Occlumens, though, yeah. there is this little scene with Cho where she, she's trying to stick up for her friend. I get it. I respect that. But you start to see a little bit of the, I don't want to say weakness, because it's not really weakness. There's something with Cho about not really understanding the gravity of the situation. Mm -hmm. I think that that's true. Whatever, you're sticking up for Marietta, she's your friend, but she also kind of like fucked everybody else over. Perhaps this was a little bit too harsh in hindsight, but now when I read it, she was trying to kind of get all blustery and stuff. Uh He's like, no, don't cry again. Almost like sticking up for what happened earlier. Yes, a little harsh in hindsight, but in the moment I was like, good for you, Harry, for like sticking up for yourself. It's very elevated, which you don't think about, like the emotional elevation of this. Because it's in the middle of everything else that's going on. But you're right. She does not understand how important all of this is. This is not just about Marietta being like, oh, I'm afraid I'll get in trouble. I gotta tell someone. Which is how it was basically played to them. These girls don't know that this directly led to Dumbledore leaving. That Hogwarts is not safe for any of them. It's making the space for this Nazi bitch to be in charge. And the girls not understanding that. And Marietta not understanding that. And people just not understanding the levity of this that literally started with Hermione saying you promise not to say a word 20 chapters it's huge and like I get Harry's frustration with it I get Cho wanting to stick up for her friend and like I stand hard for Cho the thing that annoys me that she does is when she's like oh well Hermione thought of it like oh stop stop being just a jealous bitch for no thank you for that because you know there's something going on between the two of them you know that you're using that as an excuse because you 
cannot handle your emotions right now. And that's okay. Don't take it out on another girl. That has nothing who to Who you know is not actually in your way. She also said something like, well, she didn't need to put that hex on the contract. But at the end of the day, Marietta agreed to this contract and right. she betrayed everybody too. Right. So well, like, and like six months later, you've been building relationships and working on this for months. And I'm sure there's mounting pressure and like, I get it, whatever. Again, there's a disconnect, I think, for some of these students who were in the DA who were not as committed to it. So obviously Marietta is one of them not thinking about what it would be beyond oh I'm learning this thing because Umbridge won't understanding that yeah I, you know Cedric Diggory died last year and Dark Lord is back but like he's not here so I'm just learning things that are helpful basically the Dark Lord's on the other side of the fucking walls you just are not willing to think past that just like fun it's an interesting array of, of where the students are because you watch Ernie McMillan just jump right into it and be like no this is super super important yeah but then he walks at the you know in that chat and, and then he's like, no, you're right. So you see different levels there and then just how, like, on fire Luna and Neville are for it. So, yeah. like, I'm not, like, very, you know, as a bad person, but, she, like, but this is just the gravity of it. Yeah. Honestly, at the end of the last chapter, I was prepared to take more away from Marietta. But even, like, the way that she is reacting and sure, she was hexed and now her memory is being played with. Mm -hmm. yeah. But you do see that vulnerability and some shame there. At the end of the day, honestly, getting your memory altered by Kingsley was maybe a good thing for you in this instance. Right, yeah. Well, well I mean, she did not expect at the end of, like, that to turn into standing in the headmaster's office with the Minister of Magic. Yeah. Horrors and watching Dumbledore getting yeah. sacked and leave. Had to be very traumatizing. Harry's been through so much trauma, he's like, oh, this is a Tuesday. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, but for Marietta, I'm glad right. that she had just gotten her memory modified because that would be exceptionally traumatizing Yeah. yeah. She's just a teenage girl, right? Yeah, did she maybe not handle the situation great? But yeah, but she's also, what, 15? <laughs> she's handling the situation right. like a typical 15-year-old yeah. would right. who hadn't been through the things that Harry's been through or even... Even Ron or Hermione, who have been around Harry and kind of part of all of this going on. She's never been part of, like, a serious situation in the same way, you know? Yeah, it's interesting to see some, like, minor character like this. Because, really, this is her storyline in the series, right? Yeah. By Marietta Headcanon is that after this, she does go to St. Mungo's and they do find a cure for her. They talk about her in this next book, but eventually she goes to St. Mungo's and they find a cure in which it's less noticeable most of the time. And then when she's, like, thinking about doing something that she knows is wrong, because we all have those, yeah, it'll, like, pop up and remind her and she'll be like, oh. So I think it helps her grow. But I want to think that she does end up living her life with less physical damage that makes her feel like she can't be seen in public. Or she learns how to fucking, like, transfigure herself really well. And boom, I transfigured my face. Magic makeup. Makeup. Yeah. Magic makeup. I mean, makeup itself can be kind of magical. If you but, I, yeah, I don't, I don't want to think of her, like, being disfigured for life. It does really say something about, like, Hermione's skill set. Don't fuck with Hermione. Yeah. Obviously, this conversation leads Harry to feel, like, more frustrated as he goes down into Snape's dungeon. It's the typical thing. More You're late. Let's, have you been practicing... Yes. Which we'll is see. no. <laughs> and then as soon as they get started, fucking little fucker. Draco. Yeah, Draco. he comes in and is like, the dude's in the toilet. And then Adam gets confused because he forgot about the vanishing cabinet. And he's like, what are you doing here? And of course, Snape is like, well, it's remedial, remedial potions. potions. Which, Which I wonder about Draco being like, you guys both have your wands out for remedial potions. Yeah. 
But Draco's a fucking idiot, so. Yeah, it's a shame. Again, it's a Tuesday, so. Harry's like, well. <laughs> Harry's the, like, okay. Okay. Great. Now the whole school knows that I take remedial potions. Sweet. Amazing. Can't get any better. Which, it's like, huh, well, that sucks, whatever. But. It's very What great. else was Snape was going to say? Right. You right. know? He goes off to get Montague out of the toilet. And but he's, he's left all his silvery thoughts. Yeah, and then the Harry's like, uh, yeah. oh. All of his silvery things that he pulled out of the end of his wand. Snape came in a bird fountain. That's right. What about Lily? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's that's what you were trying to say. The Lily juice. All of his Lily juice went into the bird fountain. Before we talk about the actual memories in there, I just want to do the, if this were me, I would definitely do the same thing kind of speech. Because I feel like the instinct is to be like, well, Harry should be minding his business. No, no. I'd be a curious. Like, I'm so curious yeah. because also, y'all know, he comes into these lessons. I have said this several times. I think that Snape is not an effective teacher at all in this area. He's just bullying him or whatever. And of course, at the end of the day, it doesn't really work anyway. Whether or not Harry practices, I still feel like if Harry had ever practiced occlumency, even if he did it like nonstop, I still think that all of this would have happened because there's so much going on. Like Snape's like, oh, well, I can do it. Yeah, you're also, you know, 37, 38 years old. You've literally spent your entire life being a fucking liar and hiding shit from people. Dumbledore, same deal. Now you have a kid. So I've always kind of been like, uh, get it. But here, I'm always like, oh, no, Harry, don't do it. The first time I read this, I'm like, no, don't. Don't, please don't. I don't want you to. And then, of course, he does, because of course he would be interested. Let's also just boil it down. Whenever has Harry minded his own business? He does not mind his own fucking business. Whenever has anyone in this fucking series minded their own no, business? No, and also, like, kind of on Snape, really. Yeah, Snape should have known better. Well, sure. to be fair, it's not like he's going to let put those thoughts back in with Draco right there, but he should have, like, ushered Harry out. Yeah, or, right. like, I'm going to do a terrorist bell right now. Closiest... Basinous. Right? I mean, something like right? lock it up. You have accused Harry of stealing from your stores, which by the way, Harry's actually never stolen from Snape. You have accused him of this like five times. You're not like, get the fuck out of my yeah, office. He could have taken all your shit, Snape. Had Harry and Snape left and Draco knew what that silvery shit was, you think he wouldn't have checked that out? You know, he'd have been like, what the hell is this? All right, you know? Yeah, Draco just assumes that it's cum. So, of course, he slides into the cum, and <laughs> God. And he's like, oh, everybody is a teenagers now, including my dead father. Now, these are Snape's memories, so perhaps these are colored by Snape's opinions. I don't know how it works, obviously. Right. Like I said in my thing, James really does come off as a pompous asshole. Oh, Snape, James is terrible. When I was reading this, I was like, oh, I forgot where this memory went. Before you know the whole trajectory of the story, after watching that, you're like, so Snape's worst memory was being bullied in front of everyone, which is terrible. What happens to him is traumatizing. That's a very specific thing that he is thinking about that's like changed the course of your life but then of course later on you realize the worst memory part is his ending his friendship with Lily but you don't know that Harry doesn't know that that's the whole thing that happens in the next couple chapters they're all teenage assholes except Lily Lily is perfect the way that it is written is more adolescent than we've seen in the main characters in this story. He's sitting there, like, on the quad, tossing this snitch up, and Pettigrew is, like, edging himself, like, oh, God, it's so amazing. He's tossing he his is, snitch. He is, though. Right. Lupin is, like, the most, like, normal. He's but- also kind of cowardly, like, because yeah. it's clear by his actions that he doesn't approve, but that he's too afraid to lose his friends to say anything. Like, he doesn't stand up. Yeah, but he doesn't true. stay up. That's he's true. just kind of, like, standing by and letting 
James and Sirius do whatever, even though he clearly doesn't feel comfortable with it, but he doesn't want to make any waves. Yeah. But, like, to be fair, they also kind of, like, pick on him a little bit, and he just kind of, like, goes along with it. Yeah, there's, like, the werewolf thing. Because they, they do, and I was like, oh. And like, the way it's written is just, it is very weird. It's yeah, James and Sirius, real douchey. They and are super douchey. Again, like, maybe it's from the point of view of, like, a teenager's memory, his particular memory. Now, every single word, I mean, you could, I guess you could say this every time you see something with does Snape recall every single one of those details? Like, the memory is so fleshed out. Well, I know that Dumbledore does explain that he likes to peruse them later because he wants to revisit things he might have missed. Because I was thinking this when I was reading it. Snape clearly was, in his subconscious at least, all of these things happened around him. So that would be how Harry was able to witness their full conversation and interactions. Not that necessarily Snape was focused on it during the time of his OWLs, but like, it, it was happening happening close enough to him that it's somewhere in his subconscious. That's right. the only thing that made sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that makes sense. It is interesting because I feel like this was, like, the first moment where I, like, feel sympathy for Snape. I don't feel sympathy for Snape. I feel anger toward James and Sirius. I think that those are different things. Everyone is obviously different. I feel like there's nothing wrong with feeling sympathy for Snape in that moment. I don't because he's just so much trash. But I'm angry at those boys. That does not give them permission to be assholes. I I think to me it makes it clear, like, some of the things that they're saying, it's not just, like, that particular moment, but, like, it's clear that this isn't a one-time event. Nope. With the way that they're treating Snape. If it was a one-time event, I wouldn't maybe feel bad for him, but they make it clear that they probably bully him on a regular basis. He probably gets bullied by a lot of people that's chronic trauma and that changes the way that your brain reacts and deals with situations how much of how Snape treats Harry and other people is stemming from hurt people hurt people right yeah and and not that he dealt with it in an appropriate way there's something I saw the other day that was like your wound might not have been your fault but your healing is your responsibility that's exactly it. I'm still not condoning Snape's behavior or the way no. that like it affects him, but it does give me sympathy to say I understand where his wound came from, and I feel bad that he went through that. I think for me it de-villainizes him. So not that it condones his negative behavior, but I think it shows that he's just a flawed human, he's not a villain. I well, agree with both of you, because I do feel more anger towards James and Sirius in particular, mm-hmm. but I will say I feel sympathy, I don't feel empathy, because that's yes, the thing, there's that's, two different things. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sympathy makes more sense here because, yeah. sure, I feel sorry for him, but he doesn't heal. He takes this and he resents things, and then Harry comes along and all he sees is James. And, and he, like does... he just treats Harry the way that James treated him, essentially. And Yeah, and people are constantly like, you look like your father. But he isn't, though. He's a completely different no, person. Right. He's nothing like his yeah. father, honestly. And He's... Snape isn't the only one who does this. Everyone does this to him. Yeah. Yeah. I also think it's important, though, too, not just from perspective of, like, us as the audience seeing the story and Snape, whatever, but from the perspective of it kind of crushes Harry's opinion and view that he had of his father. For me, this memory is an understanding of why Snape, sure. But for me, this memory is hard for the purpose of Harry. What Harry thought he was going to see 
you know, Harry has been through so much and he literally had no idea that he would be stepping into something that was just going to traumatize him more. Yeah. And he's seeing this and he's, my dad was an asshole. And no one has told him that except for Snape, who's always been an asshole to Harry. Why would Harry ever think otherwise? When Harry stands up for his dad, because zero people have been like, James Potter was an asshole, except for the person who's been treating Harry like shit right. since day one. That's a lot. And Harry is seeing Lupin be complacent. He's seeing... Serious participating. Serious being god-awful. Not only does this suck, he does feel sorry for Snape, too. He now has to come to terms with this fact that his dad was a piece of shit. And that's the thing that leads to everything in the next couple chapters, because he needs someone to talk to, and he can't talk to anyone because he's not allowed to talk to the teachers who he could talk to and then they're going to be gone in a minute anyway. Snake handles it exactly how I feel like he would. Yeah. Because he's just feeling vulnerable, right? I think that that made it clear that he was so vulnerable as a teenager Mm -hmm. and that's how he ruined his relationship with Lily. He's like, I don't want you to see me as this vulnerable person. I can take care of myself. I'm going to put up this guard. And she was like, well, fine then. But then like, that's what he developed. He developed this wall of like, I have to be an asshole to protect myself. He doesn't want Harry seeing this vulnerable side of him. And so he was like, get out. I don't know because I think this is a very reactionary scene, but you could yeah. maybe even say that he didn't want Harry to see this because he doesn't want Harry to know the truth about his history with Lily. But to be yeah. honest, there's really no reason why there would be any thought that there's a history between them from that one scene because right. they yeah, have been I going agree. to school together for five years. Right. They would know it's really other. just her being like, stop bullying this person. I understand his reaction. Be like, this is not at all what he needs right now. Yeah. Right. And then he throws cockroaches at him as like, bye. Right? Oof. Cock. My game oh, is Would You Rap? <laughs> Not for me, but fine. Would you rather be shoved in a vanishing cabinet and reappear in a toilet, or have a week's worth of detention with a bitch? Ooh, that's I like that one. That's oh, a good one. oh, that's a good would you rather actually. That is. I don't know what my answer is. I feel like I'd rather be shipped in a vanishing cabinet. That's my answer, too. <laughs> you get to escape for a little bit. Especially, like, the way the status of the school with Umbridge currently. Yeah, like, that toilet feels like a vacation. I don't know that I'd put it that here, far. But would. the cabinet, maybe. Here, because here's the thing. He ended up in a toilet. Did he really spend a week in the toilet? He probably spent a week in a random cabinet in the middle of nowhere and then ended up in the toilet. Yeah, like, a random cabinet in the middle of nowhere is it's great. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's a vacation. Probably took a real long nap. What was your answer? That one, too? Oh, definitely that yeah. one, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, fuck Joe lady. Would you rather hang out with the Marauders or with Lily Evans? Lily. Lily. I'm torn. I don't want to be a bully with them, but I still kind of want to hang out with them and probably throw Wormtail and Lily. I just think the way that they're depicted in this chapter is yeah, just it so is, juvenile. I think that that's fair. Like, if I'm just looking at this chapter, absolutely yeah. Otherwise, I would be like, I kind of want to be friends I mean, with you guys. I also feel like Lily was me as a kid. Like, I was stood up for, I'd be like, why are you making fun of them? Be nice. You're rude. Right. Like, that was me as a child in elementary That's school. Right. Would you rather be hexed by Snape with what we will learn later is, is actually has a spell name, but with the one that cuts open your face? Sectum Semper? Yeah, it's Sectum Semper, but we don't learn that until the next book. Yeah. Or would you rather be hung upside down by James Potter so people can see your endings? I would do that one. I, I wear cute undies. 
Like, don't touch my face. Also, if I'm not wearing, fine. It's your fault that you're seeing my dick. I got cute undies. I don't got nothing to hide. I'm Can we, wearing. hold on. Can we talk about this? I feel like it sounds like the students were clothing under their robes, but then it sounds like back in the 80s. He just had on his just the robe. Just the robe. And he had on a kilt. Is Snape Scottish? Snape sounds very Scottish to me. <laughs> Here's the last one. That's a joke, by the way. Anyone, anyone out there who's Scottish? Would you rather have Snape catch you doing something you shouldn't be doing and throwing cockroaches at you? Or would you rather have Umbridge expel you? Snape and cockroaches. Well, it depends. I mean, I can take cock. I feel like there's other opportunities. Like, we know there's other wizarding schools out there. Mm, and then I don't have to true. deal with this. So there is that. But at the same time, those cockroaches are in a jar. I don't want them to touch me. Throw it at me. I'll catch it, throw it right back, and be like, you a wimp, and your Batman underwear is stupid. Well, I think it's just more like that is a moment in time versus the ramifications of being expelled. I don't get to see my friends, and I can't go back to the school. I guess. Well, until the Grop's beats up the show. That sounds like a action movie. Let's talk about the movie. Mm. We have to admit, we did try to find the scene in the movie that is Snape's worst memory, but they rearranged things so, so bad. Basically, it, what I remember in the movie is that, well, one, it comes out when Harry's like blocking Snape or trying to, and he actually like reverses it on him. And so Snape is there when Harry witnesses it. And it's basically just showing James and Sirius as teenagers picking on Snape. Yeah. And that's really kind of it. Yeah. That's all I remember, too. I mean, I wish we could have found it. But it's, and it's like, yeah. and they do this, like, weird, like, this is a memory thing, so it's all, like, wavy and whatever. Does it happen in another movie, maybe? or No. No, I think it was just maybe earlier on. Yeah, I don't... I don't think it was. Maybe they do it. Maybe they do it way later. I don't, I don't know. I literally have no idea where it is. Where it would be. Yeah. Like, this movie is so weird. Like we said, you know, they have the detention, and then there is some other stuff that happens, and then they have the owls. Everyone is kind of just doing their owls, and Chode is looking over everything, and then all of a sudden they start hearing something, and Harry and the Patil twins, and everyone's like, kind of like looking back to the door. So Chode goes to check it out, and there's this little tiny wispy firework, and then it just kind of escalates from there. Yeah. And that looks really cool. Yeah. Like, it doesn't obviously play out how it is in the book. And yeah. we're going to actually come to the Weasley twins' departure in a couple chapters. Maybe even the next one after this. But in the movie, that part is cool. Yeah. I think that yeah. they do a nice job. It's cool to see. Although, I do miss some of the like, moments of the fireworks, I think, in the book were the fact that it wasn't just like, oh, here's a fireworks display and then it's over. In the book, they talk about how there were fireworks all day happening. Yeah. Like, yeah. they couldn't get rid of them. And also, I missed, in the movie, Umbridge just kind of looked like a deer in headlights and was like, oh, shit, what do I do? And then was, like, trying to avoid them. Yeah, she didn't get to stop. Right, I think what's fun in the books about the fireworks is that Umbridge is, like, trying to stop them and you see also how brilliant the Weasley's fireworks are right. is that they're specifically formulated so that when counter curses or like they try to fix them like more stuff happens umbridge tries to stun the fireworks or whatever and they like explode and like make this huge right. bigger mess and she gets super messy and then she like yells at filch yeah. about it even though obviously he didn't do anything so i think the weasleys mentioned like oh she tries vanishing them like so it's just fun that there are all these different safeguards yeah. they built in mm -hmm. place that if people try to get rid of them it just makes them even even more significant or like something else cool happens. Yeah. What we do yeah. see in the movie though 
is the fireworks go, go after Crab Goyle and Malfoy specifically. Yes. And there's little things with each of them. I do agree. I, it feels more like a party. They're going yeah. to the classroom. Jode has to run around. Flitwick is like, I just need you to take care of this. I didn't know if it was, I was allowed. That too. Right. And, which is nice because in the movie we do get his little like fist pump. Right. Yeah. Which is similar. But. It is really cool how in, like, the book, it's like, they kind of make a point to say how the teachers are kind of biting their thumb at her, for lack of a better word. Like, they're they're like, oh, by the way, we can't take care of this. We didn't know if we had the authority. It's real great. (laughs) And so her first day is spent with her, like, looking disheveled because she's trying to fix all these issues and she can't. It it is a little short-lived because what, of course, does happen is it's like this dragon comes after her. Right. It catches her and she kind of does kind of go up in soot. And that's where you see all of her decrees fall off the wall, which is symbolic. That was cool. Yeah. And then everyone goes outside and cheers. And like, to me, this is like the Trunchbull moment where they're all like throwing food at her in Matilda. I feel like this is an opportunity where it could have been more like that, where the student population is coming after her. Of course, we see her get hers in the end. The fireworks thing is okay, but I agree. Yeah. There are some of those right, elements that were very so specific. Like, oh, yeah, this. which I know it's fair. Like You can't interpret everything in the movie the way it is in the books because there's not time to do that. Yeah. As we were trying to find the memory scene, it was interesting because we were like, wait, why is this in here? Like There were just like moments of conversation that were like, does that even happen? Yeah, like, like in the middle of the detention and the owls, yeah, Phil just taking down the paintings, and we're like, for what? Why? Why? Why though? <laughs> I mean, no reason for that. Yeah, I mean, again, we were assuming that it's just trying to show how yeah. Umbridge is changing the school and right. whatever. But there are so many yeah. other things. We won't say that it's not effective, but it's real uncomfortable. Is for like group detention of everyone getting their hands sliced open, and she's like sitting there in this position of yeah. power that's also very disgusting and also I feel like she's about to be getting off on this. Yeah. She, she is a sadist bitch. God bless that actress. Apparently <laughs> she's like one of the nicest people ever because of course she is. Yeah. Also, I'm glad with, with the way that they've done Cho so fucking dirty in this movie, they didn't actually write in a confrontation with Harry. They just had everyone filing out oh, and yeah. Harry just being like, no. And like seeing everyone, like it hurts because you're like, but that's not how it should be. And everyone kind of giving her this like look as they leave and her trying to talk to Harry and Harry being like, no, we're not doing this. Because I don't know that I would have liked a confrontation. It's not helpful when she... So I appreciate that they at least did that and they they kind of ended it on a like, you see that she is very regretful for the thing that she did. Not only that they don't have that confrontation, but it makes more sense in the book, even taking Mariara out of it, but because they had that awkward quote-unquote date, too, it feels like a continuation or an extension of that. To be honest, from this point forward, I don't remember how Cho's storyline continues, so I am kind of looking forward to seeing more of that. That's Cho, not Chode. There's a difference. (laughs) Every single one of our, like, segments ended with a dick joke. Oh, shocking. It's good. And that didn't seem like your goal from the beginning at all or anything. No. Was that sarcasm? Yes. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> okay, this is in addition to the points I mentioned earlier. There's those points. I'm giving 35 to friend George. Whoop, whoop. Of course, we'll see who wins the chapter in the last one, but I was like, whoop, friend George. Plus 10 to Lily, and then plus 5 to Ernie and Harry. Harry does have some really nice moments of fortitude in this chapter. Also, you know, I haven't actually given him a lot of points in the last few chapters. It's only 5, but more is coming for Harry, too, obviously, in the rest of this book. And Ernie's just overwhelming optimism. 
Negative five to Cho. Also, the girl needs therapy. I actually wrote that down here. <laughs> the girl needs, needs therapy. therapy. Um, just added to the list of everyone. Yeah, seriously. I think I would put her near the top of the list at this point. She just, she needs right. some support. Harry, Jenny, Cho. Yeah. <laughs> Negative ten to Sirius and Draco. Draco for his little thing where he thinks he can take away points. Sirius, obviously he, I think, out of the Marauders was like second in command to James with the whole teasing thing. Negative 25 to Filch and James. James. James for obvious reasons. Filch for being like, ah, now I can torture children. And then negative 50. So this is like the minimum for her for pink bitch. But she still is, you know, shysty and stuff. And lastly, zero to Snape. Because I went back and forth. I was very close to giving Snape points. But at the end of the day, he is becoming his bully. In a very weird roundabout way. So none taken away or given to him. There is some sympathy, but it's... it equals out, right? It does. Yeah. Yeah. I notice more and more that is happening where there's some good and some bad, so I'm just going to be like, a warning. Neutral. Snake, it's a warning. <laughs> you get yeah. a warning. So that's that. That's chapter 28. We're getting there. Next time. I'm going to do chapter 29. 29. And it's called Career, career Advice. Oh, Career. Uh, I was going to say Career Service. Career <laughs> Which Advice. Which makes no sense, but Career, career Advice. advice. Get ready. Yeah, that's exactly what they need right now in this fucking insanity. You, know you should think about what you're going to be when you grow up, even yeah. when you're 15. Right now, during these conditions, it's time. You have to figure out the rest of your life. We'll see what happens there. We can see her, right? Sarah will not be here. No. But thank you for being here. Yes. Thanks for having me. This was fun, guys. Yes. Thank you. It was very fun. And next time, I think we'll actually have Brian. I think we do. Yeah, like I said, guys, there are a lot of special guests. Hell yeah. Also, I didn't even realize that we didn't really talk about this in at the end of the last chapter, we thought. Uh, I might put it in the Patreon. Oh, yeah, right so now, but... we have merch now. Yeah. Wee. So if you go to, page, not Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash too and sign up for Patreon. Yeah. But if you would like a t-shirt or a wine glass or a sticker. Yes. Go to basicsnitches.com. And click on the merch. Yes. Um, and more things to come. So it was just kind of a basic starter. I'll, I'll work on some stuff here in the next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we so. have some fun logos of things that we say all the time or allude to potentially coming up. If you're not in our Patreon and you join our Extra Points tier for $5 a month, we are looking for some exclusive merch that will just be for people in our 5 or $10 tier, too. Yes. So check it out, guys. Thank yes. you so much. And thank you to Sarah. Thanks, Thanks. Sarah. Everybody, be safe out there. Yeah. <laughs> be safe. What? The, the end. What? We're, we're very nice people. Okay, bye. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Gorkery. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice and share us with all your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Yes. Join our social media pages. Facebook, Instagram. I never update Twitter, but we have that. We do. Also email basicsnitches at gmail.com. We also now have a website, basicsnitches.com. And a Patreon, patreon.com slash basicsnitches. Join today and get exclusive content every week and be acknowledged in every single one of our episodes. Taryn Telegra, dance bitch. I see you new friends who don't make me dance for nothing. Yeah, they ain't gonna come, honey. We out!